Hi, welcome to Eco-Civilization podcast. Eco-Civilization is our new shared destination, co-created jointly as a new global civilizational paradigm. We know that it is time to live differently, to be more connected to the living world around us, to be in balance with the planet, the universe, with ourselves and our fellow humans. At Eco-Civilization, we explore how a new civilization might organize itself what its new priorities could be, and what could be the essence of it. For more information, visit the website ecocivilization.eu. In the first episode, we talk about the roots and characteristics of civilizations with Alexander Laszlo and Hitton. Alexander is the Director of Research at the Laszlo Institute of New Paradigm Research and Scientific Director at Earthwise Center. Heaton was born in Zimbabwe. Having recently completed a PhD, he has returned to offer creative, strategic and manual labor support to organizations and communities regionally. Here is our conversation. Alexander Heaton, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing very well. This is Alexander. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. And... Um, Looking forward to an engaging conversation with you and Heaton. Good, great. Heaton, how are you? Yeah, very well. Um, it's, a, it's been a good, busy Friday, and um, I've been looking forward to this talk. So, yeah. Great. Let's just jump into it, shall we? As we have discussed in the first talk on the topic of civilization, there have been many great civilizations that have declined and crumbled into history. Violeta has pointed out several reasons for their demise and even proposed an idea that a collapse is a normal phenomenon for civilizations, regardless of their size and stage. This somehow implies that all civilizations have, in a way, an expiration date. What is your take on that? Do you agree? Heaton, would you like to start with this? I'll be happy to follow up. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, it's a really good question. I, you know, I've been thinking about it all day, and I, I, I think where I struggled with was the notion of falling. Um, um, I wonder if I wondered if civilizations dissipate if they kind of break into smaller pieces, because it depends on what for me. What is this notion of falling cohered? How is it cohered? Like, how do you imagine it? Because if I think about things like kind of um, ideas and practices, um, philosophies, I feel like those are still evident in different parts. Uh, but if the notion of fall is cohered around kind of populations and kind of um, sort of generality of falling or following, I guess, um, it's, a, it's a different thing. You know, the, the example that Violetta gave uh, a kind of the, the Roman civilization was really curious. Uh, but it did feel quite kind of geographically specific. And I wondered if we thought about um, civilizations through the lens of ideas and philosophies, do they really fall? Do they really, um, yeah, um, that was a question I had back. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. Thank you. Alexander? 
Well, you know, I'm going to pick up on uh, something that Heaton, you just mentioned, and that's the geographic component. And this gives me an opportunity to also mention, I think we're checking in here from very different parts of the world. And I think it might be nice for everyone to know, listening, for example, that I'm speaking to you from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, and, um, well, Heaton, you can say where you are and... and, and uh, Maybe next time when we when we go meta, you can also say where you are because I think this is part of what we're looking now. This is a different time in the experience of humanity where we have this kind of uh, cosmo localism, as it's coming to be called. Some people talk about it as uh, globalism, which is I don't like that word so much because it doesn't sound good. But um, the fact that we can talk to each other from different parts of the world, from South Africa, from Europe from uh, from uh, South America, goodness, and be in such a creative engagement, listen to, learn with, well, maybe I'm anticipating for the questions that will come and come later, but my view is that absolutely not. The, the civilizations are not destined to fall or to fail. Thus far in the history of our species on this planet, they have tended to do so, but I think we are reaching a point where we don't have to follow that pattern. So let me be more specific. I'm going to explain this in terms of uh, systems theory, or what we talk about complex adaptive systems. Civilizations are complex adaptive systems. Um, and according to uh, people like Umberto Maturano and Francisco Varela, they have this, this idea of autopoiesis, which means that systems are self-organizing. So there are three ways in which civilizations are self-organizing. Of course, there are, there are many, many ways, but there are three main ways. And um, this is that they are uh, self-maintaining, right? So a self-maintaining process is one that keeps itself in existence. It basically allows it to survive. And this goes on for a period of time, but it doesn't guarantee the survival. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is self-renewing. So what happens if we start to do things that uh, uh, where things start to fall apart? Well, uh, we can then renew the schools, renew the buildings, we renew our uh, relationship with nature, things of that sort. That's self-renewing. It really is a lot of what is the big uh, movement these days called uh, regeneration or regenerative uh, approaches to the engagement with our, our world. Um, the third aspect is the one that so far civilizations haven't really responded to well, and it's called self-transcending. So the ability for a civilization not to fall, not to fail, not to go into a demise, but to find a way to be able to reach a new stage of equilibrium, that is what I think is before us right now. Um, and this means that if something internal for a system starts to break it apart, let's say in a human being, it, I don't know, it could be some disease or something, um, or in a, a civilization that can be the way in which we are related to the environment that is no longer tenable and we start to destroy the planet that we're living on, then sure, this can lead towards uh, end states. But if we can learn how to be in better relationship, both with, sorry, that, that was an external prompt, right? The relationship to the environment is an external prompt, that's an external challenge. But there can be an internal challenge to civilization, such as um, the fact that we have the capacity to destroy ourselves through our technology. We have 
nuclear weapons and we have uh, things that could allow us, allow us to destroy ourselves, that would be an internal destabilization. An external destabilization would be what I mentioned, such as our relationship to the environment. The challenge is, can we learn how to reach new levels of stability and can we go on to evolve our situation, our, our civilization? That would mean moving into a self-transcending, right? Dynamic. So self-maintaining, self-renewing, and self-transcending, I think, uh, are the capacities of any kind of complex adaptive system. It's not just me who's saying this comes from complex adaptive system theory. And so I think there's an opportunity now for us as a species to actually engage in the evolution of our civilization. It won't be the same civilization. In that sense, it would fall, but it doesn't have to crash it doesn't have to disaggregate, as, as Heaton was saying, into its component parts and then go through another kind of dark ages until some other uh, civilization rises uh, with, with greater coherence. That certainly is a possibility. That seems to be what has happened in history. But I would say that now we have an opportunity to avoid that path and to evolve our situation to the next stage of organization. Um. Alexander, could you say a little bit more? I'm I'm curious about I'm curious about this idea of of evolution. Uh, can you say a little bit more how you imagine that happening? Sure, and I just want to double check. Uh, Heaton, you're in South Africa, is that correct? Yeah, I am. Cool. And and Meta, where are you? I'm in Slovenia right now. Look Europe. at this. Yeah. You see, mm -hmm. I mean, this is part of this. What I was mentioning, how we are in a very different mode than our species have ever experienced until this point. So there's a possibility that we can really pull together. As, as Benjamin Franklin once said, if we don't pull together, then we shall certainly pull apart. Um, so evolution. Well, in, in evolutionary system theory, it gets. I don't want to get too technical on this, but we talk about uh, systems that move further and further away from thermodynamic and chemical equilibrium. That means this is like a, like a heat death or a chemical a thermodynamic equilibrium. Chemical equilibrium is a place where no further work can be done. The system is just is dead. <laughs> um, it's not. There's no pulse. There's nothing alive in it. So systems that are alive move further and further away from those states. They continue to complexify. They create greater coherence, greater differentiation and integration, greater unity in diversity. But there's a, there's a possibility for them to continue to evolve. That, this is the pattern of life in the universe. Uh, not just life, sorry. Look at the ways in which uh, galaxies emerge, in which uh, uh, solar systems emerge, and so on. It, 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 it is this pattern of increasing interrelatedness and coherence. And we're part of that narrative. We're part of that pattern. Um, the thing is to understand and to learn as a species, and here's our opportunity, to learn how to see the bigger picture, see how our, our uh, individual engagements have repercussions uh, and um, both positive and negative on other aspects of the system. And when we learn how to do things in ways that create greater harmony, dynamic harmony, I think there's a chance that we can learn to be together. It's just imagine you're learning how to be a, a living 
a human being, right? With this organism, you have a body and you have hands and you have, uh, you know, eyes and ears. Okay. And then you start to eat things and you eat wrong things and then you die. Well, that's a problem. So how do you learn how to eat good things, healthy things, not poisonous things? How do you learn not to go and, uh, and go and pet a rattlesnake or uh, a saber-toothed tiger? You know, th- these are learnings that allow us to stay alive and potentially to thrive. So this, this is seeing these patterns now as, as part of a larger evolutionary process. I think that's where the hope lies for our civilization to, to become a learning society, a learning civilization. Mm. I mean, I, th- I think that's really uh, fascinating that... Um, yeah, like I, I guess more like as of a provocation in a way, because I mean I I really appreciate the way you've kind of unpacked it. I think it's really useful to know. Um, I can't help thinking that it still kind of builds itself around some form of a kind of monoculturation, if that is a word, mono like a monoculture, there's a sense that there's a kind of central system that people need to learn from and then kind of take and then live by. Um, And the notion of civilization as we have known it before, um, in a sense, kind of proposes a kind of, I guess, a a kind of... um, a kind of blueprint to living that everybody kind of buys into. so when when this question about falling comes about, I think it's really interesting because when people lose faith in a system, um, that's when that, that system starts to kind of, I guess, not work anymore. And in this case, maybe the word not work is kind of related to falling. Um, and it doesn't fall as a whole. It falls, I think, in parts. I think um, even the way in which the kind of Roman civilization and it's sort of a demise, as um, as Violetta had kind of pointed out, it kind of did it in stages, and I can't help thinking that it was a kind of it was a slow disaggregation of systems of belief, systems of faith um, that kind of people started to move away from. So um, that moving away from, would you see that also as a kind of as a way in which, could you see it kind of similar to this notion of evolution, a moving away from? Hmm. Well, you know, I I think this is, uh, there certainly is the the fear, right, and the concern that, oh my gosh, we're going to have to become some kind of monolithic something. You know, if you're familiar with the classical Star Trek uh, series, you know, there's this idea of Borg, which is a, a cyborg which goes and assimilates all other life forms into itself so that, you mm. know, and it says resistance is futile. It's one of the famous lines from that series. And the idea is that you're all going to be assimilated into our one form. That is not at all the way evolutionary patterns work. And there is zero need for that. Uh, so monochromatic, mono civilizational monoculture in that is, uh, I think that would be very deathly. You think about, uh, for example, in uh, agriculture, uh, a mono crop, you, you make these super, uh, super crops. For example, you make tomatoes that are just 
you might say tomato, but I, I'm saying tomato. Um, and that they are they are like juicy and they're red and they're uh, they, they 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 come to ripeness quicker than others. And so you cultivate that one type of tomato. And then what happens if if you eliminate the vari- the natural variety of different types of tomatoes? Then if there's a slight climate change, then that type of tomato that you so carefully invested in now can no longer survive. And it doesn't have the fallback, doesn't have the requisite variety, as it's called in systems thinking, the requisite variety to respond to the challenges of change. So diversity and having a diverse a repertory of different values, different cultural frames, different, that's enti- very, very important. The fact, though, is that we can have many different types of corn, many different types of tomatoes, right? You're still talking about tomatoes or corn or vegetables. So in that sense, yes, there's a common patterning that we're looking for. Uh, But there's a whole different ways of expressing that that doesn't limit individual or even group expression in the least. So what we're looking for in this case is um, the capacity to coexist on this planet. And yes, if that you want to see as a mono (laughs) frame, that is something that has to be a common value, shared value, the capacity to coexist with all other life forms, as um, John Ehrenfeld said, uh, forever, forever. This is the idea. But that doesn't mean that we have to stay as one type of culture, one type of species, no, my goodness, we can evolve and we can have many different ways of doing that. There are infinite numbers of ways of uh, coexisting. Uh, and we don't even know a fraction of them because who knows how we could evolve in the future. Um, but I think that's where the exciting path is. There, and, and one last thing on this is I'm not trying to say that it's, it's easy <laughs> or that we are definitely going to have a global eco-civilization it's uh, or that it's it's um it's a even that it is a likely outcome frankly it's going to be difficult to do this and it's most civilizations have failed um and have fallen as as violetta has mentioned this has been the path i'm just saying it doesn't have to be and there is a window of opportunity for our species in evolutionary terms to uh transcend uh, right now. I think this is a great uh, starting point for one of my questions that I wanted to ask you today. Because if I understand both of you correctly, both of you believe that there is some potential for a new kind of civilization or for a new kind of civilizational paradigm to emerge from where we are now to uh, appear. Um, And I would really love to hear how each of you see this new civilization. What would be the main, the core characteristics upon which this new paradigm would be built? Heaton, maybe you could uh, start. Mm, I don't know if I agree. I I mean, I... I... I don't know if there is a kind of potential for a, a I think I, I, I keep getting stuck on the word civilization because of okay. <laughs> what it what it kind of 
portrays. And I, like I, each time I read the word and I, I try to kind of, um, kind of break it up a little bit in my head, I come up with different expressions. And when I come up with different expressions, I'm allowed, to, I'm, I guess I allow myself to think about it in a more kind of expansive way. Uh, but the notion of civilization and the way in which it still lands in in this part of the world is really problematic because what we have still is a kind of hierarchy of of research and understanding that favors the kind of global north and so how we understand uh, how we can understand and how we are learning to understand how people in this part of the world different communities lived and cohered their societies around particular sets of um, collective belief systems or kind of systems of morals um, and not using the kind of C word, um, uh, that's still emerging. And so, you know, this, this, this thing towards going towards a new one, when we in this part of the world are still, you know, still learning to kind of figure out what was, what were the ones or the many um, that existed here and on what, on what structures were they built, on what practices were they built. Um, it's so fascinating. So I think, I mean, me personally, I think I'm going to sit here for a little bit. I don't know if I'm ready to rush forward towards a new paradigm. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Can I ask you, Another question. In the eco-civilization talk, um, you've mentioned or proposed an idea or asked us a question. Uh, what if uh, more, I think it was boring or banal way forward yeah. is the right way to go? Mm. Um, what did you have in mind with this? Well, I mean, I th I th it, was, it, was co it was sort of thought about because the way in which civilizations or the word civilizations and the kind of practices of past are put forward are very kind of um, uh, are very kind of superlative. They really they trade on a sort of set of exceptionalisms that it was the best this, it was the best this, it was the best this. Um, and I kind of thought when I think it through, I wonder whether part of their demise or their kind of breaking up or their falling or evolution was because the stamina that requires to keep keep in that exceptional state is just unreal. And so mm -hmm. part of my practice is to really think in a kind of playful, absurdist way about things. Um, part of my practice is to kind of really play around with extreme opposites to see what emerges when you don't think in the ways that you are supposed to. And so if I match that with the opposite, if, you know, the, the kind of opposite to exceptionalism is really kind of banality, like really boring, um, what happens? Can, can, can community, society sustain a way of living for longer um, if it's less exceptional, if it's really just like normal or boring? Um, yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, great. I, I see I see where we're going with it, and it's an interesting um, question to ask ourselves. Alexander, would you like to answer my first question? Yeah. Well, also, I think it's good to to take a pause 
You know, so what, what do we, what are we talking about when we talk about civilization? I think Heaton is quite right with that. Though I must say, uh, Heaton, I'm finding that really our perspectives are more and more different, <laughs> yours and mine. It's really interesting <laughs> listening to you on this. Uh, goodness, I am, I, I would be, I'm looking for exceptionalism. <laughs> I'm looking for the <laughs> how we can be, you know, an exceptional species on the planet, an exceptional planet. I don't want just a species, or the whole, all of this to celebrate life, to fully, passionately engage in our truest potential, our, our, you know, our highest calling as a planet, <laughs> not just as a species, not just as an individual culture, right? No, but as, you know, together, what can we? What can we do? What can we evolve to? What can we be? Um, that's a real inquiry and exploration. And just to be boring about it uh, is zero interest to me. Uh, so it's interesting to hear you see these things. Also, I'm interested to hear uh, your view that uh, that uh, civilization implies, you know, being the best and being exceptional and being, you know, the, the height of I don't know what. Of, of, of greatness uh, on the planet, um, and I, I don't see, I don't understand civilization like that at all. Um, I understand that some people use it like that, but that's a choice. And for me, it's simply a characteristic of the collective human presence on Earth at any given point in time. So we can talk about the Neolithic civilization, and we're not saying that oh well, the Neolithic civilization was better or worse than a Bronze Age civilization. Or uh, we can talk about you know, what what would we say is the characteristic of our collective presence on Earth now, whatever that is, and, uh, and maybe a shorthand for that is the the sum of all our societal expressions, all our societies, and all our societies taken together, but not lumped into one monolithic expression, but in all their full glorious diversity. All of the societies on Earth now, that is our current level of civilization, global civilization. So for me, it's, it's, it's simply a characteristic of all societies. No, it's not a characteristic. It is, it is all societies in their presence and in their expression and therefore also in their impact on potential futures, in quality of life, in questions of sustainability, and so on. That is the you know what we're talking about when we're talking about the human presence on earth so in other words for me uh, this, this civilization doesn't have a value charge it's not something i'm saying is better or worse it's simply what is it's what if you were an alien species coming from some other planet or some other galaxy i don't know and you came to earth and you say who what is this what is this species doing here uh how are they how do they organize themselves what are they doing and you see it from that perspective, looking at the whole planet, you'd be looking at our current stage of civilization. So that's the way I'm. That's the way I look. It doesn't, I'm not seeing it as it being excellent or not. I'm seeing exactly the problems with our current civilization. To get to Meta, to get to your question, you know, what is the what is the paradigm towards which we're moving? Uh, my my sense is a paradigm that has the overlay of both individual expression and celebration of life at the individual level, right? 
So individual people, individual societies with their own particular cultures and life ways. And collective uh, being, what in where you are, uh, the, the notion of Ubuntu, uh, what others, Thich Nhat Hanh and others have written about as interbeing, that's a relatively, I won't say new, but in terms of our collective sense of not trying to dominate each other on this planet, but understand that we are one species and that we got one planet and we have to learn to live together. Because right now, at least, we're not going anywhere else. We're on this planet. And this is the challenge. Can we learn to live together, not only with each other, but with nature? There are interdependencies here. And I think the new, whatever we call this new paradigm or however we have it, the eco-civilization paradigm, is going to emphasize interdependencies, celebrate our diversity, and uh, the fact that there's complementarity in our different ways of being. And... I think it's going to cultivate hopefully more empathy and better capacity to listen and see and appreciate difference in each other, but really in the framework of understanding our, our fundamental interdependence um, as, uh, as part of a common narrative, which we talk about as civilization, a common narrative on this planet. Hmm. Interesting. Thank you, Alexander. Heaton, would you like to... Add something, comment? Mm. No, not yet. I'm, I'm still processing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. it, it's fascinating. I, um, I really, no, I have to say, I, I like, I really appreciate it and I really, I re, I agree and I really kind of celebrate the fact that we come from different, different, sorry, I have ducks, uh, ducks and hardy does that come across <laughs> the building at this time of the day. Sorry. It's, if it's not builders, it's birds, right? Um, <laughs> um, I, I really I appreciate and kind of celebrate the difference. Um, I just I have one little thing to add is that I think sometimes, well, no, I, I know from my experience, banality and um, notions of boring kind of oxymoronically are really interesting. So, but um, that's stuff for another conversation. Yeah, I must agree. I have thought about it quite a lot uh, since the talk where you mentioned this banality, this um, sense of boring. And um, I have found quite a lot of creativity in this idea, in this notion, when once you come down, once you, once um, things appear to be boring to the probably Western society, um, many great things come out of that. So I think this is something that needs to be explored, thought of a bit more. So thank you for bringing that up. I would like to thank you both for this short but very interesting conversation. I think we can pick it up and should pick it up sometime in the future because I am sure that there is a lot more to talk about. But for now, I would really like to thank you for your time and your thoughts and your questions and for giving us things to think about and ponder ourselves. So thank you both, Alexander and Heaton, for your time. Well, thank you very much to both of you. For thank me, you. this was exciting and it was also the best of what we can be. And in that sense, it was anything but boring or banal. And this is the spirit of engagement <laughs> I truly appreciate 
in our potential and in these conversations. So thank you for a non-boring and <laughs> non-banal conversation. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Um, and enjoy the rest of your day evenings. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Eco-Civilization Podcast. We would love for you to join the conversation. You can get in touch with us on our social media channels, such as Eco-Civilization Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, and our website, ecocivilization.eu.